Hey, my friends, welcome to another episode of the 10 Laws Podcast with East Forest. I am Mr. East Forest. I just got back from the Esalen Institute. Rada and I were out there as part of the Entheo Wheel. It was a conference that they're exploring sort of the science and ceremony of psilocybin, and uh, potentially they're going to be doing more of these conferences about different plant medicines. But this was the first, and I went out there to play a ceremony concert and do some sort of recording, some other content, some Q&A, and uh, speaking about things revolving around ceremony and music and integration and preparation. So thanks if you guys tuned in to that live stream. Um, It was an interesting time slot for me because it was like Monday morning and uh, it's sort of like the end of the event. So some people were already on their way out the door. And I, we had a lot, of, a lot of content and ceremony the whole weekend with some amazing facilitators. Paul Stamets uh, was virtually uh, was there, zoomed in, and James Fadiman, and among many others. So it was great. And uh, I just want to say thanks if you did get a chance to tune in. But it looks like there'll be some kind of content created from that, and I'll, I'll share it whenever I, whenever I have it for you. So this week I have a conversation with Brandon Beecham, who's. He's got a podcast called The Positive Head Podcast, and we kind of connected and thought it'd be fun to do an episode that we could use on both of our podcasts. So initially, he kind of took the lead here in the conversation, and he's of the, you know asking questions of me and so forth, and I pepper him with some questions, and we also talk about a book that he released that's released in this very interesting way. It's sort of a gift model sharing revenue model. Uh, his book's called The Golden Key. But um, we're, we're in a lot of the same circles of ideas, so it's always fun to kick it around with someone who's thinking about that stuff in their own way. Um, and I think, I think you'll enjoy it. Also, this Friday, which I believe is uh, still in April. Let's see, I would be looking at the calendar. April 30th, I'm releasing the second track off of the new possible album this track is called can't fall out of love and i'll give you a little preview of it at the end of this podcast but it comes out in full on friday and i'm actually sharing it in full in advance on the east forest council on patreon so that's some of the things we do over there on patreon.com slash east forest is share music in advance rare releases uh, podcast extras monthly Zoom councils, among other things. So if you want to dive deeper and support this podcast or dive deeper into this ecosystem of community, check it out. Eastforest.org, scroll down and check it out, or patreon.com slash eastforest. But the Can't Fall Out of Love song, I'll probably do a more in-depth podcast where I can tell you like what's going on with that track because it has a sample of me talking about something that's sort of like the grandmother sphere song in that you, if you knew a little more about where it came from and why, I think it'd have even more meaning for you. You don't need to know the story to enjoy the song, but it has a pretty, pretty interesting circumstance by which that recording came about that involved, as, as you'd guess, a, a very powerful uh, medicine experience that I had that I was trying to just understand and this is sort of one of the transmissions that came through and um yeah yeah i think i think i'll put out like a little solo cast to uh, really soon maybe next week to explain more about about that track but it comes out wherever you listen to music 
this Friday, April 30th. And uh, thank you so much for, for listening and for all the sharing you've been doing out there, attacking East Forest and saying hi. I always, you know, it's always great to hear like your response to um, how you're resonating with the stuff that's being put out there. So it doesn't just feel like me sitting, staring at a computer screen in a studio and a piano. Um, I, I love, I love just seeing like the points of meaning and messages out there in the world. So thank you so much for, for letting us know. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast and giving it a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts with the easy to deasy five-star review and the written reviews are always appreciated as well. And thanks for sharing the podcast. Um, hey, a little update real quick on these live events we're trying to put together. We are still doing that. They're looking like probably more likely in the fall, but other things are sort of coming together in this liminal COVIDian age as people are trying to do events. And there are things that are being talked about. So as soon as anything is official, we'll let you know. You can always just join the mailing list or go over to eastforest.org and it'll always tell you like what we have going on now. And for retreats, I know that the fall retreat in Utah is currently sold out. We're, we're looking at some options for some other ones, in, including at Esalen. When we were there, we were kind of talking to them about some possible options. So I would imagine we'll get something going there potentially this summer, but I'd say definitely in the late fall into the winter. And we'll do everything we can to make it available and accessible to anyone who's interested in coming and even exploring like doing a hybrid of it being virtual and in person. So and that really should hopefully open it up to different people or at least aspects of it. So we're thinking about that now. And again, we'll let you know as soon as we know. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. But for now, well, let's just dive into it with Brandon. Awesome when worlds collide, especially, you know, I've, I've uh, I forget who, someone, you know, along the lines, maybe six months or so ago, year ago, um, introduced me to your music and it has uh, definitely become uh, a staple in my world. So, you uh, know, as soon as I saw you had a podcast, I'm like, ah, I want to bring him on. And so I'm really glad this happened because then I think someone from your world reached out first. I'm like, perfect. Oh, and cool. it's just one of those things that's, that's meant to align. So I'm excited to explore and, and just hear all the, all the magical things you're up to. I, I would like to start with the, my, my cliche opening question whenever I have a guest on <laughs> that I like to ask. You're in an elevator. The woman next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? <laughs> um, I would say my passion is reminding other souls of that. The fact that we're doing this walk as souls. Um, yeah. I like feeling like a cheerleader that kind of whispers in our ears and in essence, whispering in my own ear, we can do this. Yeah, you know, it's like, I yes, like that. keep going, keep going. Uh -huh. And because, yeah, I need to hear that too. So, as we know, I mean, I'm whispering in one ear, it's just right into my own. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, I always say we teach best what we most need to learn. And yes. so, you know, that's exactly when I started this podcast, you know, years ago, that was sort of, if you listen to episode one, it's like, well, I know at least one person's going to benefit from this me. So, <laughs> you know, anything else is icing on the cake. So I fully, fully resonate with that. Well, 
if you would, I always like to at least get a little bit of backstory so that there's some context for the listeners, you know, who are just being exposed to, to you and your world. Um, you know, whatever feels relevant. It doesn't have to be like, you know, what you ate in fifth grade on your birthday or anything like that, but just whatever feels most relevant to, to share to give us some context. Well, I grew up in Oregon and my upbringing, although like I was in Boy Scouts, my parents and I, we all went camping and I think that made a pretty indelible influence on me. I had a fairly suburban, super American upbringing that was very safe on paper and I'm very loving, beautiful parents, but I think I was inside a, uh, it took me a long time to kind of realize this. <laughs> I was like, there was a sickness to the the like malaise of the lack of risk and the not you know like especially back then Portland wasn't a cool place hmm. uh, and it, not a lot came through you know so mm -hmm. the information you received is like the nightly news the mainstream story was the story and life was pretty stable but also in a way maybe too stable and I felt very depressed. I, I mean, I had panic attacks as early as like kindergarten and first grade. And wow, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't add up. I couldn't make sense of like the map in front of me and what people were kind of ex the expectations I started to realize. So, um, so in a lot of ways I had a lot of support and was able to do some amazing things just like in the arts and, and be outdoors. But it was also like kind of the standard American upbringing that was just felt like putting a circle into a square. Like I just could never, just could never make sense for me. And I struggled with that. And eventually I feel like it really broke me where I thought like, there is no way to fight this paradigm. You just have to join it. And so I joined it by trying to exceed at school. And I was like, then I have to become a doctor or that was my plan, you know, cause then it, maybe I won't, you know, I, I, I loved my parents and I loved them deeply, but I also didn't want to become my parents. And this is a prototypical story of most Definitely people. Definitely relate. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think that was my biggest worry is because like, I, I just knew in my heart something bigger or more beautiful was, was possible. Uh, and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get there. And so it really wasn't until when I was in my late 20s in New York city where I eventually ended up. And that was part of my path. I was like, maybe I'll go to the biggest city and you know, that'll be the way to do it. <laughs> and it was, you know, some psychedelic experiences that really started to break me open and show me through felt experiences really behind that veil of the mystery of like, but there's more, there has to be more. And it, I didn't have a background through religion or really anything else to, to, to find it. And so when I felt it, when I actually felt it uh, through some seminal experiences, that showed me that it was real in a sense. And it, it allowed me to touch parts of my own psyche and heart that uh, now became not like an idea. It was like, oh my gosh, that's, there it is. So that really lit a fire in me. And part of that fire was exploring uh, music as a method of, of getting there more reliably or faster or just again at all. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm, yeah. Cool. So you are currently not in New York, right? You, you Right, right. So I, at, at that time when I was in there for 10 years about, and when I started to quote unquote, wake up and just go through my own transformation and inner transformation, 
I eventually moved to Portland, Oregon, because now it was the cool place to be. Right. And it was my sort of my home. And I went there with my my partner at the time and did that for seven years. And that was sort of a beautiful transitionary experience and really just started diving into the East Forest Project head first. And then um, eventually went through another transition in life and ended up in southern Utah and Boise, Idaho. Southern Utah, because I, had, I stumbled upon that place through Reality Sandwich. I don't know if you remember Evolve or oh, yeah. Reality Sandwich mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. They did a conference down there in 2008 with Daniel Pinchbeck, Charles Eisenstein, and Dennis McKenna. And this mm-hmm, was back mm-hmm. when psychedelics were like not not cool or certainly mm-hmm. like weird. You know, there are probably 30 people there. You know, now right, it's probably right. like 3,000. You know, like, yeah, right, right, right. And, and so I went to this conference and fell in love with the landscape and the owners of the ranch there uh, you know, actually, one of the owners, Ron, it's his birthday today, he's 60. So shout out to Ron and and giving him some props for helping me, like, make a home there. And mm-hmm. it's only 200 people. It's super, super duper nature, canyons, mountains, wildlife. Cool. Uh, and then Boise, Idaho, I, I, I met a girl, my partner, Rada, and she lives here with her kids. So I split my time. Nice. Very, very cool. Well, you know, one of the things, like I said uh, early on, as I was uh, exposed to your music uh, initially, and now, of course, your podcast, um, you know, maybe a year or so ago, and it, it seems like, you know, and then it's come up a bunch of times. I was just talking with um, Ragu Marcus the other day, who runs the Love Serve Remember Foundation, and he brought up checking out some of the music that you did with yeah. Ram Das. And uh, so, uh, you know, what a, what a cool thing. And it really seems like you, you're in a very expansive phase with, with all of it from, from what I can see and feel. Um, so what, what do you think is, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think is sort of the, the key to that and has been the key to that for you? You know, how have you, um, kind of got yourself into the position of exponential growth that you're in? (laughs) When I was in first grade, uh, I was alluding to an experience where it's the first day of school, and I remember what I remember it. I remember walking in and I crossed into the threshold of the the, the schoolroom and I saw the desks kind of in mm-hmm. that systematic order. And I said to the room and the teacher, I said, "I said this isn't for me. Thank you very much." And I left. And <laughs> there was something in that where I think instead of trusting like that inner part of me, I was sort of forced because there wasn't an alternative to, I didn't learn how to then trust what is unfolding in a way. Like I didn't, it took me a long, long time, several decades and then come back around to be like, Oh, how do I not control everything? In essence, like that was sort of the medicine I had to create for myself to make it in this world. It was like, okay, for me, it was about control. Mm. and and working things because no one's looking out for you and you have to watch your own back and now you need to succeed and that's the only way Mm -hmm. and over time it became more about what if something is watching over me or what if i am part of a harmonic system that it's more about just being in harmony with it which is about a kind of loosening the grip or letting go and that really took shape i think um, in, in many stages, but the, the Ram Dass album was a big one because at first I had this idea and, I, and in my mind I had convinced Raghu to let me do it. Mm-hmm. And thank God he said yes. 
But it wasn't until I was sitting down with Ramdas for the first moment and the door shut and I hit record and I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. how did this happen? <laughs> you know, and it, yeah. it kind of hit me that the way he looked at me and and the energy he gave me and the, the role of his teacher, Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, who played a role in this happening for me, which is sort of his own story. And there's a picture of Maharaji just over Ramdas's shoulder on the um, the bookshelf. And right as that moment happened, where I was just like this holy shit moment, <laughs> uh, I saw that picture of Maharaji, and he was laughing in the picture. It's like mm-hmm. a big belly laugh, and it was sort mm-hmm. of like he's laughing at me, like, "When are you going to mm-hmm. get it?" You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always here in the thing, and you you don't have to be worried that you're not part of it because you can't not be <laughs> right. like you're under the blanket and yeah <laughs> that really blew me open and the enormity of that experience realizes like there's no way i'm in control of this and it there's a like there's a larger energy that i'm in a current of that we're all in the current of and the more i let go into that feeling the more alive it felt and has felt to this day it feels like a very alive process um, with that record and watching its reverberation with people and then how that sort of leads into um, everything else. And it's really hard medicine for me to not feel like I have to manipulate and control each step. Like when any time, I don't know if you feel mm. this, like opportunities come in your life and you're like, you want it to work. So yeah. what's the first thing you do for me? It's like the natural response from my child is like, okay, it, it, what what can I do to essentially manipulate this to make it work? Like yep. kind, of, kind of control it. And where is that line between control and guide yep. or allow? Uh, did you feel that at all in your Absolutely. life? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel that so much. It's like as someone who's constantly my whole life, I feel like I've been slow to even get that, that lesson too, um, where it's just like, you know, I've always been sort of hyper productive and, you know, a doer, you know, and, and, and sort of even attach, um, you know, this idea, this idea of being someone who gets a lot done is like, this is a really good thing. That Same. I, I'm so productive. Right. And it's like, uh, is it, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. you know, you're on a treadmill. It's like, where are we going? You know? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, and trust, trust, right. Is, is the end of it, or you could call it faith or call it what you want. It's sort of, for me, it's a mantra of I am held is something that feels really yeah. comforting for mm-hmm. me when I say that phrase to myself internally or aloud. Uh, yeah. It's this idea that we're not alone. And we, I think, inherently our, our world creates a system that we feel very separate as individual mm-hmm. isolated beings. And many of the activities we're doing online or with our digital attention currency are increasing mm-hmm. that feeling of separation, which is truthfully unnatural. It's very much on the surface of our beingness. And so the more we can tap into the things that help us feel part of the larger whole that we are, and psychedelics, you know, for me, it's like that was like this huge one, but sure. you know, nature, practice, yoga, song, creativity, good conversation, there's all these things, uh, is, a, is a really good medicine. So I'm assuming that's been similar for you. Yeah, absolutely. I I even had, I think it was yesterday or the day before this idea kind of hit me that the universe, really what it really wants you to do most of all is to be playful and actually will reward you for doing so. 
So instead of like, what is the most stringent, you know, check off, you know, my, my never ending checklist of to do's, what is the, the most playful way that I can go about today? And, and that's just something that literally just kind of hit me the other day. That's and beautiful. Like, yeah. That really is. That's right? so in line with like sort of a Joseph Campbell esque, you know, follow your bliss. That's just to mm-hmm. me. There's similar energy there: playfulness, blissfulness. Yep. Yeah. I like that being the lighthouse to follow because it's sort of the the language of the soul. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, and then I realize how you know when I'm I'm so naturally playful, unless I'm just bogging myself down with all these to-dos and missions and accomplishments that I feel I need to do to prove, like we said earlier, for what? Where, where are we going again? You know? And Speeding it's, uh, to nowhere. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and what a concept it is to, to really let it sink in that you, you couldn't not be a part if you tried. And the more you feel into that, the more deeper the experience around that truth becomes, right? Yeah, maybe the game is uh, what things help you lean into that, you know, or what playful things help you cultivate that feeling. I mean, it's like focus on that because I hear you saying, and I found this to be true for myself too, you're like, what makes exponential growth? (laughs) And I would say it's, it seems to be like you have to, it helps that you're in some kind of flow. And mm-hmm. so it's a little chicken and the egg kind of thing, but it's like, I actually think the, the thing that comes first is cultivating that feeling of flow or playfulness or of being held. And from that, uh, you're creating some kind of energy that there's a resonance back. There's an echo. And that's the, the feedback in essence of life of cause and effect. You have to create that, cause or you can create that cause maybe um but no doubt look everything in the universe goes in ebbs and flows and waves so for me it's also about like learning how to ride the waves and recognize that my job is just to surf and you some eventually the wave ends and then you but then you go swim and wait for the next one you know so it's not trying to hold on to some awesome tube wave because it's like, well, this is the moment of this wave and yeah. you don't have to worry about will there be another <clears throat> wave, you know? There's always waves of different shapes and sizes and some you catch great and some you don't and it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like to use the whole wave analogy as well or or the idea of when you're actually sitting on the beach and the, you know, income, the swell comes in and it goes way up on the beach and then the retraction that happens right? The water's getting sucked out. Yeah. And and knowing that like, okay, this retraction is a natural part of the ebb and flow of my experience and my existence. And so what's the good news about a retraction? Well, at some point, you know, coming ahead is going to be another, another swell and expansion. So, um, yeah, that I, I like to think of it in those terms as well and not being resistant to this natural process of a retraction. yeah man there's um there's this analogy i use that's right in line with that about the grace of forgetting or the gift of forgetting and it just being the other uh, side of the yin and the yang of remembering and we often focus Mm. on remembering and Mm. if you recognize that forgetting is the engine of remembering 
it's it's necessary. just as beautiful and important. So it's all these times we fall out. We're like, oh man, you know, I there I go again. It's like no, no, no. That's now you've remembered. That's <laughs> the dance. It, it's like that's it's the dance. the dance of existence, and it's like yep. maybe it's the point. Yep. We're always trying to push that away. Like yeah. I should be better than this, or I've been practicing mm-hmm. that, and I've fallen again. It's like, what if falling's the point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two steps forward, one step back. It's this idea of like, you know, your reality being a spiral, and you think it's oftentimes with lessons, right? Where we think we've okay, I, I mastered that one. Oh shit, here it is again. Same lesson, you know, for further, you know, clearing or clarification or shedding yeah. of if you will. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And maybe it's one step forward, one step back. It's like, does it matter? You know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) The distance, you know, this, you play this idea of like, you know, the universe source, God, higher self, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's infinite in scope. So if it expands infinitely, no matter how far you go, you're still equidistance from no ending because there is no ending. So it's like, it really allows you to move into a space of like, okay, why am I in such a hurry again? Because no matter how far I get, there's going to be another vista that opens up before me of expansive eternity unfolding. And that being said, we get into the mystery itself with the paradoxes of, uh, it's, it's all perfect. And, and the injustices that we exist in around us, they matter and it, it it's meaningful to take action in the world like and and that coexists and part of us could say well how does that work and it's like that that's the mystery itself uh you know we're not i don't think we're meant to be in this dimensional reality just to recognize that nothing needs to be done i think there's there's probably also a clear reason that being able to do things in the world is part of the journey and having compassion and creating right action in the world to try to right that ship, even if it's one degree, you know, well, that can be a lot in, in generations down the road and you yep. can't fix it all. And so it sort of might feel meaningless, but I f- it feels like that those acts of service are just as much the point as th- that everything is perfectly imperfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fully, fully agree. So, Curious, how long have you been doing your podcast now? I guess it's about two and a half years. We're at 150 something and it's weekly. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I don't do as many awesome. as you, but well, that's <laughs> you're just a machine. because you, you yeah, over that's there. because you're sane. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so you've been at it for a minute. What, if you who comes to mind is I always I don't necessarily like this question, but I like asking it. Uh, when it's asked to me, my um, least but, favorite guest. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's your least? <laughs> now we're talking. Who did you hate? Uh, what What comes to mind is something that you have learned on the show or heard from someone that's come on as a guest that really like shifted a perspective for you. Well, I've learned how to listen better and not interrupt as much. And honestly, yeah. <laughs> one I of I definitely the th- get that. Yes, but there's a time to interject, but I've also learned the art of that, I guess. Uh, And doing it virtually, which has become, um, was a necessity over the last year, it actually makes, it forces you to interrupt even less just because the nature of little bits of delay and stuff. Like it's it's very difficult to have an interjecting conversation as you might in person. So as Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've realized, you just kind of have to like give space. 
and finding like rhythm with yourself and people of not rushing, but not being too slow and, and trusting like that, the pacing. And so if anything, it's probably slowing down over time. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many wonderful conversations, but one that comes to mind is with Bio Akomalafe, who is an author and a speaker and sort of just a a poet. And I came across him through Charles Eisenstein, who's someone mm-hmm. that has been a teacher of mine for many years and a friend. And Bio, it's just, it's so inspirational. I mean, it was so inspirational. He was in India we're doing this podcast just like this. And and I recorded it, of course, and I ended up actually sampling him and using some of that in my album that's coming out right now in parts. And I'd never done that before. Like I'd used field recordings from nature locations and field recordings of people talking, all things I recorded, but I'd never, it's like, what if we pull from the podcast and put it into music? And right, he speaks in this song and I feel... I don't want to say it encapsulates a lot of his teaching, but I, th- I think it does for what I know of it, of that there's this invitation in front of us. And the invitation is one of becoming, meaning it's not about a destination we are going to arrive at or necessarily that we have arrived at one, but more that there's this process of composting. And through that, there's a transformation of becoming. And that is an invitation in front of us. And he uses this metaphor of like, We've dug up these bones and what do we want to do with these bones? We can bury them again or we can sit with them and see how they might want to speak to us. Uh, And that's kind of a way of speaking to the trauma that we're going through collectively and and the transitions we're going through. And I just felt a brotherhood with him of his message and spirit that continues to reverberate. And so being able to put it into a song, the song's called Bones, comes out (laughs) um, probably in a, a month or two. Awesome. It's just like, yeah, he's a really special guy, and there's there's been there's been many many more. Yeah, that's one of the greatest gifts about doing what we do is getting to connect with people that you know, especially when those you have those conversations that you just that totally surprise you, and then something that sticks with you for years to come. I mean, part of what you just said made me think of uh, one of my own, a guy named Derek Rydall was on the show. Um, actually I've had Charles on as well, Charles Eisenstein. And, um, but, uh, Derek right all talked about this idea of like, he calls it the law of emergence. So, um, you know, it's, but we hear a lot about law of attraction and sort of the, the, you know, you have a lot of like charged, you know, thoughts around law of attraction and, you know, how it works, et cetera, et cetera. But law of emergence, the way he talks about it is I I really, really resonate with is like, you know, how do you become what is the potential of your being? So it's like the, the oak tree is already within the acorn. It's, it's, you know, as I put in my, my book, uh, the golden key that I just, I just released a couple months ago, you know, if the little boy finds acorn and puts it on the shelf, there's very unlikely it's going to become an oak tree <laughs> right there in his room. Uh, if it's buried in the proper place with the proper sunlight, water, you know, all the yeah. right conditions, then, you know, what happens? This thing, you know, transforms in the most miraculous way to be the potential that was already inherent in it, just needing the right conditions to emerge. And also, of course, a part of that is, you know, there's some disruption to the acorn itself. It, it, 
you know, cracks and breaks and, you know, much like the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? I mean, when the caterpillar thinks its world is over, it becomes a butterfly, same kind of idea. And so, you know, I love looking at it from this. It's like, it's all inherently in there, not so much as attracting something outside of yourself that you need to pull in rather from the inside out becoming what is, what is there in potential all along. That's beautiful. It really plays to the idea of watering the garden. And like, that's the practice. Uh, sometimes mm. there's weeds, sometimes there's aphids, sometimes it just needs a little more sun. Sometimes there's cold coming, you want to cover the garden, uh, but you tend the garden. I, I look at relationships that way, you know, particularly romantic yeah. relationships. And I think about it as watering the garden. What are the activities you do that water the garden and help it uh, flourish and, this, and go through the seasons? So that, yeah. that's a great way of, of I love that uh, acorn idea. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny that you say that with relationships because I've used that same exact thing before. Like, I just want to be a good gardener, you know, in this relationship. And especially, you know, seeing someone fully bloom into what their potential is and how you can, you can play a role in that is particularly gratifying and rewarding, I think. Yeah, you throw kids into the mix and it's a whole nother level of gardening. I don't know if they're like a giant slug or what they are. There's a lot of shit in there. Yeah. <laughs> Good fertilizer. Exactly. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So I know you've done some, st you've done some things uh, with Google and John Hopkins and some consciousness hacking related work. Uh, yeah. Care to share a little bit about that? Well, I'm always interested in technology because it's something that we're not escaping from. I don't think we really have the option to go into a cave or whatnot. And that's our method of spiritual erudition anymore. Not that that's even that practical for people. So I'm, I'm very interested in how we can be part of the world and also feel we have a more meaningful and grounded walk with it. So technology is not something I say inherently, look, you need to not use it or avoid it. Quite the opposite. It's like, are there ways that we can use it as a tool? I see music as a tool, as a form of technology too. So yeah, I've always been exploring different collaborations and did some interesting things with like that neuroesthetics project with John Hopkins and Google and, um, and there's lots of things going on right now in the field of psychedelics with uh, Imperial College, um, just like an advisory role to them or, or creating, you know, there's things with like music and biofeedback and dynamic generation of music or brainwaves connected to music and how that affects the music, um, um, all sorts of things that, that create connection with yourself and your connection with others. So I, I think there's going to be a lot more of this in the future as things, even like the streaming services move into 360 sound and potentially forms of VR and AI. And it's, a, it's, it's crazy the kind of things that we could be doing in the near future, as far as really personalizing your experience just with music alone. But I yeah. think, you know, talking about music and sound, it's like asking a fish what water is. I mean, I think it's so powerful and present in our lives. We don't even we don't totally don't give it credence for what it is and what it can do. Yeah. I saw, um, I saw an interesting quote the other day. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Grant, but, uh, um, no, very interesting guy. And, um, 
crazy, very wild story too. He was like sort of CEO of like big, like Bosch and Loam or something. And then had a, had a pretty, uh, you know, powerful spiritual experience that then led to him downloading all these like, you know, mathematical formulas and things like that. And he took such really? a shift in his journey. Yeah. He, very, very interesting guy. Uh, happy to connect him with you. If, I think you would really Sounds like cool. Yeah. With him. Yeah. He's super cool. And I saw him post something the other day. He said, um, um, geometry is frozen sound. <laughs> and I thought that was, Oh, really cool. that's so accurate. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, cymatics. I mean, we'll show you that. Yep, but, yep, uh, yep, yep. Frozen and light sound. is frozen matter. Damn, yeah, that's so, a that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that's I love that. Love that. What's I his had name? A feeling you would appreciate it. Robert Grant. Robert Grant. That's yeah, a very check, common name. <laughs> yeah, check him out. I think you will really resonate. And like I said, happy to make a connection. I just feel like, yeah, be 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 good. Um, but. Um, yeah, man. Wow. So w when you were, you know, working on some of those, those programs, like what, what it, all did it entail? What, you know, how, how was your contribution and what did you? Well, the, you know, the neuroaesthetics project, that's, a, that's kind of a burgeoning field of research and science that asks how design affects our neurophysiology. So, um, Google teamed up with John Hopkins to build three different rooms and they took this this exhibit to the salon in italy design exposition and each room had a very different design and that included the scent in the room and the sounds so i was doing the music and mm. and everything the textures and so you would put on this piece of wearable uh tech kind of like an apple watch but it was a google device they developed a little band and mm -hmm. you could you just be in the, each room with a small group for ten, five minutes in each room. The old, you weren't talking, but you could do anything else you wanted. You could look at the books they had in there, or sit down, or smell things, whatever. Just be in it. And you'd move through each consecutive room, and then afterwards they would put that armband into. They'd read the data in your physiology and, and try to give you some information about what forms of design respond to your body in different ways. Hmm. Wow! So that's what they're they're looking at: design and physiology. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, that was just sort of like a high-level project that I was doing a, a piece of. Um, but I'm I'm very interested now, and I did some stuff with consciousness hacking as Mikey Siegel's project of group flow, and you know, it's wiring people up to measure things like emotional response or heart rate, breathing, and so forth, to see how you can engender group connection. So he mm -hmm. would do things like illuminate your heartbeat on a little light that you could pick up and stuff and then we could also connect that to a speaker like a subwoofer so now it's like a big sound but then i could wow. change the sounds into other things like frogs and things and then you could like hand your heart to someone else and then you'd be holding their heart and hearing and feeling it uh -huh. and then you could obviously combine the data into another light to see and it would see is the whole group getting into any coherence and so it's very experimental on like what is group connection and super techy and really fun and i was doing the uh like music stuff with that live and we did we actually did that at esalen and that was fun and we we did a couple a couple iterations of that and i think mikey's idea from what he's told me is that he'd love it just to get so it's not clunky it's just super streamless and very simple and it's this idea of how can technology that's part of our lives help to create these states 
of connection with with others. So uh, this can go on and on. And there's stuff right now uh, with Wave Pass. I've been I've written some music for them, and they're making music for ketamine guidance that's generative and dynamic. And it's all again responding to what's going on in your body and your emotional state. And this will probably go into places with AI, perhaps even, you know, you wake up in the morning and your AI has been reading your sleep and your mood and it takes a little scan through your body and your electrolytes and everything. And it's like, I've written a whole playlist of music for you uh, yeah, and well. you're going to love it because it's like, it totally knows what you like and whatever it is, your workout, it's going to be like your own artist probably. I, I could see this happening. Wow. And I think, you know, will that put me out of business? It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, right, right. you know, I, I don't think we're going to get tired of seeing live performance, like a human being creating in the moment. I think that yeah. has to become more valuable. And because everything else becomes so much more digital and virtual, but we're looking for the marriage between the two and, or the bridges we can create because this sort of progression is inevitable. And so it's, and you don't have to engage in it, but I think if you think about it, we do engage in it in ways that you don't have a lot of agency over, just like with maps and tracking and ads and emails and all the stuff that is actually learning so much about you, that predictive behavior that it's, it knows far more than we probably could ever imagine today. Yeah. So imagine where that is tomorrow, let alone a year from now or 10 years from now. Yeah, it's it's wild to think about where where it's all going. It's like this this idea of have you seen uh, have you seen the movie Waking Life? Yeah, yeah, of course. You yeah, I, I just I just talked. I can't remember where and who. I just had this this idea came to mind um, recently, and I think I think I was on someone else's podcast. But um, anyway, it was. Um, I don't know if you remember the part where he's talking to the guy who who talks about this sort of quickening, this exponential growth that's happening, where it take a, took us thousands and thousands of years, where we're still using the same stone tools and nothing really shifts, and then finally you make it to the, you know, recorded history after you know hundred thousand years or whatever, and then from there to the Middle Ages is only you know from ten thousand years ago to one thousand years ago, much shorter time frame and then from there to industrial revolution much shorter time frame from there to the computer age much shorter time frame how we're coming into now where full evolutions will happen in an afternoon what would have been billions of years before and it's just like you know 10 years from now this could look you know what we're seeing can look equivalent to us comparing to the 1700s or further yeah. who knows um it's just it's yeah, All I, bets saw, are off. I saw a statistic about, I'll bastardize it, but it's essentially like the amount of information you now see in one day was comparatively like how much there was in a whole year and X yeah. time. And before that was like in a hundred years, you know, it's like, yeah. and that's just how much is coming at us. Um, you know, on a side note, this is a slightly different subject, but um, just before I forget, you're a fan of Michael Newton and Journey of Souls. Yes, yes, me, absolutely. Me too. Have you ever thought or tried, is he still alive? Have you ever tried to get in touch with that guy? You know, I, I, I think it's funny. I just asked someone this the other day. I was like, is he still, I feel like years ago I looked into it and he wasn't, but then I just brought 
Wasn't alive. Yeah. Right, but yeah. Hey, but then <laughs> I think he's come back now because <laughs> I just asked my friend and they're like, no, he's alive. So it's funny because I just was thinking this. How I, I, yeah, I had the Michael same Mann. thought years ago. I, I think I tried and I was like, I couldn't quite. Try. He basically, the Institute exists and he trained, they, they have a training program for other people who you could probably get pretty close to him. But I was always, yep. that book was very influential to me and it's, it still has a very close place in my heart and I it's and it served like some really powerful experiences in my life with like other people where either like there's a synchronicity of suggesting that book and someone else like that's exactly what I was thinking like or someone who's dying and it was like we connected over that book but they're the one transitioning and they just wanted to talk about it the book yeah because because wow. it meant something to someone else and they're you know it's a wild thing I mean when you start you know, between Journey of Souls, Destiny of Souls, there's so much information in there that, and it makes so much sense. It, it and, and it really resonates with a lot of what, you know, of course, psychedelic journeys, ayahuasca, you know, plant medicine, meditation. So many people are having similar perceptions through other means and other channels. And it's just, it's really, really you know, it's just fascinating to consider. I had someone who came on my podcast once and he, he was, uh, you know, he claimed he could tap into people's higher selves and communicate with them. And I remember him at the beginning goes first, you know, let me do a quick, like drop in with us. And he's like, okay, so just so you know about, uh, what did he say? Um, I want to say, he said like 70% or something of the people that you have on your podcast, you have some level of past life experience with <laughs> and like 30% are like, you know, a lot. And it's just like, uh-huh. it's just such a wild thing to think about, right? Like here we are, yeah. you know, it's how I start my book. Nice to, nice to meet you again for the first time. And it's, it's like, okay, we met like literally 45 minutes ago, aside from me listening to your music prior to now. Um, and you know, what's the real story? You know, what is there more to the story? And I, I just, I think it's the most fascinating thing yes. to ponder. I I think of that as the gr- as grand co-conspiracy of waking one another up and this web of connection that is like more vast and intricate than, in- intricate than we could ever conceive. Like everything being this web of beautiful connection. We're all just like this perfect brush stroke and you go back and it's just like this incredible painting of like, wow, look at the beautiful thing we created over eons together. It's like perfect. Mm. And, and it's messy in the chaos. Then you see the order when you pull back and like, and I, that book, I thought a lot about, um, like how in hypnosis, it, it, there's a translation happening through your own consciousness. Like you speak English, perhaps, you know, and your identity and, and, and the, so there's sort of a, a filter, even of metaphor and how it's coming through and that's okay like so when you recognize that it it can even make even more sense like the process he went through it's like yeah it's always it's it's always i mean it's literally coming through the ether through the unconscious and then through this person's funnel of their consciousness into words into the session and it has to go through the brain it has to go through that process and if you take that you know you don't always have to take everything super literally because you're like, well, but that's what hypnosis is about, you know, and, and that's okay. That That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
<laughs> it, it, you know, what's fun about the whole journey too, is I feel like there's just more and more that it, it's, it's such a breadcrumb sort of experience that we're on where it's like, okay, here's a little more, here's a little more. And, and I always, I, I really get, I find it fun to consider like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. I know enough to know what my higher self would do. <laughs> and this makes sense. Like, you know, it's like, what would an expanded version of me do? Would they set this up in this mm. funny sort of way? Absolutely. So it's all, it's always fun to trying to decode what, what I've done to myself. <laughs> it, feels, it feels like there's a hand in the fog and it's like, there's just, just enough to be like, oh, there's the hand. And then mm. you go a little more and then, and then there's another little bit of, you know, go this way a little bit, but it's never, it's never, it's always on the edge, you know, of, and I, I try to think about this idea of like, why wouldn't we design it with the lens of being a brave soul? Why wouldn't you make it so that it's the maximum you can handle right up to the mm -hmm. edge? Because then you're getting the most out of it. <laughs> and so you're always yep. going to be at like, you're not quite over, uh, but boy, does it feel like, man, I don't know if I can take much more. And it's like, well, you, know, you can, or you're, I think you can. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think in those terms all the time, I'm like, damn, you hire self. I know you <laughs> wanted to do, you didn't want the easy route. And, and you see like people uh, around you sometimes it's like, hold on, how did that unfold so easily for them? And I'm like, oh yeah, because they, <laughs> they took an easier route. That's why, damn it. <laughs> and And you never know, like the internal process, the external. You don't can look like one thing and the internal can be a completely different process for them. Uh, it might, the surface might be like, well, that's what I would want. And on the inside, they're like in misery. It's like, this is really hard, you know? For, yeah. You know, so it's everyone's dance is unique. And uh, Ram Dass would kind of talk about this and we do a dance together sometimes and some dances are longer and some dances are shorter. And the person who might be twirling, in schizophrenic insanity on the street. I mean, that's in essence, that moment's their dance. I mean, it doesn't mean I might not do a dance with them and try to help or not, but it's sort of blessing the dances because we, we don't know uh, on the surface to be like, well, the surface says this, so I can put it in this box and judge it and know what it is. You, we don't, we really don't. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of um, Michael Newton and destiny of souls um, was just looking, just reading a passage in that where it was talking about the birthing prog process where, where souls like the, the soul nursery on the other side and how each soul is it like, you know, uh, breaks off, if you will, hatches off of source, you know, each one is completely unique. So there are some things that you certainly can do that are sort of standard procedure, but you got to also take into account this uniqueness of, you know, this person, this soul's journey and what it's makeup. And I find that like really interesting to consider, like what may work for you. Like there's no other, just even close. It's always comparing apples and oranges in a sense. Did you see the Disney movie soul? Cause when I saw that, I was like, okay, somebody's read journey mm -hmm. of souls. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> It's like, they totally, just made totally. the movie of journey of souls. I was like, yeah, Oh my yeah, God, yeah. this is amazing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I was so glad to see that movie was made. And just to think of all those, the children who are going to now, you know, have that as their baseline. Yeah. Idea of, you know, God, reality. and the, uh, man, speaking praise to that movie. And then the, because I love that it was about like music. 
Because then I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And then on top <laughs> of that, the music that John Baptiste wrote and Trent Reznor wrote music for that with Atticus Ross as well. The mm-hmm. music, some of those riffs they got into, that one where he's playing the piano and he actually gets into that ecstasy, like the music itself yeah, was yeah. incredible. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh my God. And it's like, they're just taking it to the next level with that. Yeah. yeah and the cartoon yeah, yeah. was like actually playing perfectly. You know, they mapped uh, the actual players and it was like w- new levels of technology of animation of like I was looking at it, I was like that guy's that cartoon is playing this what you're hearing exactly properly like exactly right, right, right. with the muscles and everything in the hands and what a trip it's it's what a trip indeed <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> wow wow well this has been quite a trip indeed uh as we sort of wind down here what question that I have for you uh, what is What's most exciting for you right now? What, well, really two questions. What's most exciting for you when, it, when I ask that question, what comes up? And then if you could leave any, you know, East Forest mic drop sort of message for the audience, um, <laughs> what would it be? Well, what I'm excited for, I mean, it, it feels like uh, I've been saying the same message to myself and others for the past 12 years since I got that message myself just and it just feels like the world is catching up a bit with it and there's this intersection happening that feels really good like 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 we're oh we just got into harmony you know and we hitting this beautiful chord and it's sort of like learning how to sing after all these years and now your partner is singing with you and you're like, wow, this feels really good. This wave we're in feels really good. And it is a a song of co-creation. It's a song of, of uh, reminding one another and forgetting together. But in that inspiration, it's just something that when I say it, as I said at the beginning, I want to be a cheerleader for other people and souls to say, we can do this. And I'm saying that to myself as well, because I have doubt too, of course. I have personal doubt and I have doubt in the world and in the injustices that we see, but we need to sing that song to ourselves to say that we can do this. Because if we lose that, if we lose that harmony and we don't even try to get back on the next wave, then we're really lost. But I believe in the soul to say like, to, to help us have the inspiration, whether it's like the sunset that takes us back out in the ocean to surf again, or this, that candle flicker within us that doesn't go out that says, you know, it's always there. And so it's just about, uh, do, doing that work to, to, to believe. And I think the role we can play for one another is just to encourage each other to say like, try again. Um, or like, I, I see you too. I witness this process and you're not alone and I'm going through it my own way. And that witnessing is a lot more powerful than you think. So yeah, I, it's, it's sort of cultivating my own optimism for the six-year-old who was in first grade, who is pessimistic in what I saw in front of me that I still see in front of me. And that pessimism is pretty baked in, but I, I work on cultivating that optimism, uh, that comes from the heart. Beautiful. Well said, man. So <laughs> what else we got here? I do have one last question, actually. Sure. That, I mean, uh, it's all good. Unless you, 
Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Felt amazing. This has been a very, very cool conversation. Super appreciated it. And and before I ask the last question, I just want to make sure people know where to find you. Um, you know, you'd mentioned you have some new music coming out. Maybe you can just, you know, name all the things. Yeah. I mean, East Forest is easy to find wherever you listen to music, but eastforest.org will definitely take you to everywhere you want to go, whether it's the music platforms or my my Patreon, which is sort of like a way to engage in monthly all sorts of things like actual engagement together. Um, that's mm-hmm. patreon.com slash eastforest, but it's also just at eastforest.org. The podcast, retreats, um, there's lots of ways to engage so, um, and I, I have started releasing a new album called Possible. And what that means is it just comes out, you know, track at a time. So it's more of a conversation and that's already underway. But the Ram Dass album, definitely check it out if you haven't. And I have an album called Music for Mushrooms, a soundtrack for the psychedelic mm. practitioner. So if you're looking for a guide for your journeying, uh, check that out. Or if you're just looking for music to put on to relax to, that one's very deep and peaceful. It's five hours. So that's also on 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 the music platforms as well um but i before you asked me whatever the last question is i I did want to ask you a question yeah i'm just sort of curious after how many you've done like 1500 episodes or something 14 i think it's somewhere around been a lot (laughs) how many years is that it'll be six years next month and I was just curious from you, not like what your favorite guest is, but if you could f- try to find an aggregate of like a kernel that mm. you could pull out of all of that for yourself that you're kind of carrying with you, is there yeah. something? Because that's a lot of like synthesized experience. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, hmm, great question. And I actually, I, I just released, so so the podcast being, you know, 1400 episodes, lots of um, lots of talking considering as you can imagine, many, many hours there. Um, but I just released a book called The Golden Key, Modern Alchemy to Unlock Infinite Abundance. And that is, you can listen to it in three hours or 100 pages, you know, read. And that really is my distilling down, even beyond the podcast, 25 years of deep exploration of this topic. You know, I got really excited about the ultimate nature of reality in the late 90s and have just been like, you know, talking to anyone who would listen. And it's one thing to kind of understand the stuff theoretically, and then it's another to apply it to your life in a way that's meaningful. And and it's like, you know, it's like Mike Tyson says, you know, everyone's got to play until you get punched in the face. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I think that's, you know, we can all relate to that with our spiritual development is like, yes, this is how it is. This is how we do. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're just like, you know, there's right back in your there's the habit. phrase Ramdas said, uh, you think you're spiritual, spend a weekend with your parents. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, another great one. Same exact thing. So I think that the the end, you know, if if I had to sum it up, it really as the I have eight keys in the book, and the eighth key is uh that kind of ties them all together is master the universe, the Y-O-U universe. And um when you start to play with this idea that you know, you're the only one in the room. It's all a reflection of you. You're a node, a focal point that source is experiencing through. And for all practical purposes, there are no others. It's all, it's all everywhere you go, you're there waiting for yourself. And it's, it's a, um, you know, everything and everyone that you bump up against is a prop in your movie. 
you know, and, and so you're a, a prop in, that I created in this image with this personality and, and vice versa, right? So you're a, you're a node, a, a focal point that source is also looking through. And so for me, this idea of mastering the universe, it's really empowering because it's like, of course I make it. I'm the only one here. You know, um, of course I didn't make it easy. That would be boring. Like, well, you know, imagine playing a video game where it's like you go straight to the end and it's like, well, that was, there's no sense of accomplishment, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier. So I think that's the thing that I've really come away with, um, more than ever is this knowing that, um, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, you know, my, my show being positive head, sometimes we're like, oh, just being positive all the time you know, that kind of got positivity, got a negative rap in recent years, you know, which I think is funny. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, being positive about the negative, about the shadow. You've never seen a great work of art without shadow in it. Right. And so it's, it's, it's all, you know, learning to be at peace with the journey, with what is not needing to to all be just this all flowers and rainbows and, and unicorns and knowing that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, so important that I'm the only one here. And therefore, you know, it, it, it's always, it, it's, if I haven't won, it isn't over, you know? And so just applying that, that idea just really, really empowers me. You know, I like to say our, our lives play out at the corner of free will and destiny. It's all destined because, um, you know, well, or we can see Einstein, you know, proved that if you shoot me in outer space, you bring me back a day later, I'm a day older and you've been dead for 50 years or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's, it's like that movie interstellar when they're on that planet for like a couple minutes and like 30 years plant passes on earth that's based off real science. So we know that time is this illusory construct. And so your fifth birthday party is happening on another channel. You're just not tuned into it in this moment, just like future potentials. And, you know, so, so that's how we can sort of come to terms with the idea that it's all destined. It's all happening in the eternal now, but where free will comes in and is the, the option of which version you're going to step into what, you know, what version of the movie are you going to pop in the player? And kind of like Neo at the end of one of the Matrix movies where he comes in, all of them are on this, the versions of him, they're on the screen. Okay, which one are you going to choose this time? And I believe that's, that's in effect, what's going on. It's like, first time I ever had a psychic intuitive reading years and years ago, she's like, oh, I see you in a cold place like Chicago working in business. I was planning to move to Chicago and work in business at that time. And Mm -hmm. we were in Atlanta when I was getting this reading. So very far away from Chicago. And she goes, oh, but there's this whole other path in California and music and Years later, I formed a band and moved to California and how I initially got here. And um, so, um, you know, what was she seeing in that moment? The potential Brandon's based off where I was vibrationally. So, you know, from this now moment forward, there's infinite versions of us, I believe. And which one do we want to experience? The greatest and grandest version, the one that's the most rewarding. Uh, regardless of the statistical probabilities or odds or any of those things, I believe source has been there, gotten, been there, done that and gotten the t-shirt, right? So it plays out every potential. It's infinitely abundant. It plays out all the potentials. So, you know, learning to get into vibrational alignment with it, being it to see it, you know, and, and learning how to navigate and, and, and all the challenges are really just blessings to make it more rewarding when that ultimate, you know, I made it to the top of the mountain moment only to then find there's more mountains and more vistas to, to scale. But, um, I would say that's the thing that is really, um, 
you know, as, as my golden key is the master of the universe, I'm, that's what I'm here to do, to, to tap into the nature of the situation in which I find myself and um, use it to the, you know, the, the fullest of my ability in a way that benefits everything and everyone because it's all an extension of self. Well, that's quite a distillation of uh, 1,400 some odd episodes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I just saved you. How many hours? Like <laughs> Boom. The cliff notes. <laughs> cool, Thanks, man. man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fun. Um, well, I, I, I look forward to being more introduced into, into the world. And this has been fun, man. Fun chatting. Yeah. You know, I was thinking um, one of the plans here that I have a communal space here, uh, Mystic Manor in Venice Beach, where um, pre-COVID we were doing retreats and listeners would come and spend time. And of course, we halted that one uh, at a necessity for COVID. But uh, one of the things that we're hoping uh, we can get to uh, perhaps this summer is doing like events, transformational community, like, you know, live musical performance. Uh, we have a really nice, you know, kind of... Um, compound, if you will, uh, for Venice beach, it's very private. Um, and wow. so, um, so having like DJ live musical performance, we have a pool party, pool club kind of thing. So it'd be cool if you ever make it out this way, maybe you can, uh, bless us up with some East forest jams one Saturday. I dig it, man. Well, let's keep that prayer that these things will, will come back for us. I think that kind of community gathering is really nourishing. So hope it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do have one final question I'd like to ask you. Yeah. My, my, my closing cliche question. Closing cliche. Is, That's not a stunning closing, endorsement. Okay. Let's do a closing <laughs> cliche. Uh, the closing cliche <laughs> question is, in 60 seconds or less, what is the meaning of life according to eSports? Oh, my God. Um, let me say this. Uh, Anyone who says they have an answer for life in 60 seconds or less that is anything other than perfect silence is uh, <laughs> just snake oil. <laughs> so I would say, as Lao Tzu said, the truth cannot be spoken. So any man who's speaking the truth is not speaking the truth. <laughs> the meaning of life I saw the other day on a, on a billboard on the side of, a, side of the road. The meaning of life is to, is to make your own meaning for life. So I like that. I, I did see <laughs> I, or I heard about a YouTube video where the title of it was like, what is the meaning of life? And it was the Dalai Lama and it was 60 seconds. So someone's like, well, shit, um, I'll click on that. And essentially he was saying you know, the purpose of life is experience. And, and that's, that's certainly one way of looking at it. I mean, it, you know, I'm not trying to um, judge that. It's like, well, we're here to have experiences. There's an argument to be made. <laughs> I mean, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a bit about, um, it looks like you have a unique, unique process with the book as far as, uh, kind of, is it a gift model in an essence? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So y the idea for the, the book came to me in a dream. And, um, part of that was this idea of distributing it, um, you know, in a way, in a, the unique way that I ended up doing. And, um, the name of the book is The Golden Key, Modern Alchemy to Unlock Infinite Abundance. And I start off by saying, look, this is, you know, 25 years of deep exploration of the ultimate nature of reality. This is my distilled, the, the Brandonisms around it, I guess you would say. And, um, and 
one of the things that I also say at the very beginning is like, look, if you're people often think of abundance as money, monetary, you know, wealth. And I'm like, if you came here to learn how to invest in cryptocurrency or, you know, save $300 by switching to Geico, that this isn't it. Um, you know, what is the core of abundance? And, and I believe it's tapping in, in into the ultimate nature of reality and understanding who and what we are and, and, and all of this stuff. So um, part of, uh, the reason I decided to gift it was for me, I, I feel sharing this information um, is the quickest and best way to help to shift our planet into the the planet of paradise is destined to become by helping to wake people up. So um, I thought, well, why don't I gift the book and allow anyone else who resonates with it to do the same? And then, um, you know, in, in an effort to sort of walk the talk and practice what I preach, um, I decided that I would, uh, if, you know, at the end of the book, I invite people, Hey, if, if you've, if this book has been meaningful to you and you've enjoyed it and you'd like to play an abundance manifestation game with myself and everyone else who reads it, you can choose to pay for the book optionally after paying it. We'll use that as a seed that sprouts into greater abundance with the exercises in the, in the golden game, as we, as we call it. And, uh, then, yeah, to practice what I preach is sharing 50% of that with all the people who are playing. So yeah. And so that's so, what I mean, we you, decided to do. In order to do that, you'd have to self-publish so that you have the freedom, yep. I would assume, to do yep. whatever you want. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly right. So for you, uh, setting up the code East Forest, I think would be the most natural thing, which then anyone who uses that code can then uh, download the audio or ebook as a gift. And did you make it 100 pages intentionally? Like, was you, did you want to make it like that length? As a, yeah, it's a hundred ish. It might not be a hundred on the dot. Um, you know, if you take away like the, the, the title page and things, I think it's like 104 actually. So, um, yeah, the idea was I am very verbose <laughs> and luckily my partner, uh, if you, the, if you read the, the beginning, it's like the acknowledgement It's like special thanks to my partner in time, Karen, for, uh, helping to distill my infinite perspectives. And, um, so she's very concise with her writing and, so it was it was a match made in heaven because she really helped. She knows me so well. She's got the chopping block. Still. She can like you got it <laughs> exactly. She's a speech therapist and like you know. Um, so uh, she calls it. She called me when she first started reviewing it. She's like, "You, I hereby uh, name you as the king of embedded clauses," <laughs> which works well when you're talking because you can say, "Yeah, this story within this story within this story," and and sort of get it across, but not. Not as well when you're writing. So you mentioned listening stance. to it. Is it. Did you record it as well as an audiobook? Yep, I did. Yep. And that's on yep. the same page, I think. Yep. If, yeah. you, if you go to goldenkey.gift, use the code East Forest, uh, you can download the audio or ebook uh, or both. And it's basically pay what you want, in essence. If, it, that's totally optional at the end. Uh, you know, I invite you to, to come back and, and pay and play this golden game to manifest more abundance. You can do it. You cannot do it either way. The most important thing is that you enjoy the book and get something good from it. You know, you mentioned Charles Eisenstein, and he's someone who was a big influence on me, especially early on, and his um, idea of the gift economy. And that's something I put into the foundation of what I do. My website's a .org, not just because. I mean, my very first album was a gift. It still is a gift. And I tried to keep that mentality as part of the system of what I offer even though it's inside a capitalistic uh, world and it's a career, it's like, okay, this is also yeah. how I make a living. And it's interesting to 
play in those worlds. You're like, well, how do I, how do I kind of have that dance where it's concurrently coexisting? And is that something you try to do? Because I know you can't. We all have to make a living somehow, but we also yeah, we want still to be live in, in a monetary base. We want to be in the spirit of the gift. Yep, yep. It's it really is, and that's um, you know, w- yeah. We still live in a monetary based economy. Uh, as we're recording this anyway. And so that's (laughs) who knows what will happen next week. Yeah. A a thousand years from now, someone may be listening to this. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Look at these jokers money. (laughs) Worried about it. So, you know, the idea came in a dream and, and what I loved about it was it allows me to, um, you know, it, it allows a monetization element without forcing it on someone. And so, you know, I figured there's so much benefit to just spreading the message. Um, there's benefit beyond money. Oh, okay. Someone, you know, found the book, listened to it. Now they're tuning into the podcast. Maybe they come on a retreat years from now, maybe, you know, whatever that may be. And so, um, yeah, it's been really cool to see it play out. I mean, we launched the book of um, a few months ago, over a thousand people have created codes to share with others mm. and, um, wow. you know, seeing, um, you know, I think on average, average download is around $2 and 50 cents, meaning most people are just keeping it for free, but then you have a percentage that are coming back and playing the golden game and putting in, you know, as much as, you know, I think the, the highest so far is $444, wow. right? So, you know, it's really cool to watch it play out as people choose what feels good for them. And, um, yet there's still the ability for me to, um, obviously it costs money to live and breathe and create all this content. You know, this very well as a musician and podcaster. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's working and, uh, and, and in a way that feels really, really good and unique because in this world of, you know, as you know, that's always a challenge. How do I make something that has, you know, my own unique sort of signature on it? And so. Well, I would imagine having the podcast platform you have, you probably could have gone the traditional publishing route and gotten a deal. And, and so you made a choice not to, um, it was that mostly, why did you make that choice? For this very reason, I, I, you you know, you knew it was about the distribution in a sense, like how you want it. it, Exactly. I really wanted it to get out there and I really wanted to see, you know, it's kind of like. Uh, I, you know, for better or for worse, I've always done things to the beat of my own drum. Like, you know, when I started a podcast, people be like, oh, who's your favorite podcaster? I'm like, I don't know. I've never listened to one, you know, or maybe I've listened to a couple, uh, and just very, even making music years and years ago, you know, same kind of thing. It's like, I really wanted to just, how do I do something unique? And, um, so that, that always excites me. Mm. And so when this idea came to me, it was like, you know, I have a lot of, um, fun synchronicity stories that I share on the podcast. And th- there was really one that made it very clear to me to go this route. One, it, I, I dreamed about it. Right. So then I, that morning when I woke up with this whole idea of how to do it and what the topic would be and the unique way to distribute it, I'm like, okay, what would I call it? And I was like, oh, the golden key makes sense based off of, you know, the subject matter and, and everything. And so I instantly do a search to see if anyone else has used that name. And the first thing that came up was, Hundred years ago, 1931, a guy named Emmett Fox wrote a series of essays. I wasn't familiar with his work, but I guess he's like, you know, one of the um, modern thought leaders that sort of helped to bridge, you know, more 
spiritual non-religious concepts with Christianity. And he wrote the Golden Key essay and 22 others, but the Golden Key being the most famous one. And and in it, it's like very much gamified the way I did it. It's like, if you read the Amazon uh, description, it's like, I dare you to try this out and see for yourself. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's like, I'm like tapping into this Emmett Fox vibe a little bit here. And then I went to my friend Vajra, who is one of the greatest, you know, a favorite visionary artist. And uh, here at the Mystic Manor, the, the property that I host of steward of the spaceship, as I like to say, this, this funky property that I run in Venice. And, um, there's visionary art everywhere that he brought in from all of his friends, you know, um, around the world. And, um, I went to him and to ask him if he'd be open to doing the cover art. And I was concerned because his process normally, you know, it takes him a long time. Yeah. And, um, he said, well, you know, I was like, look, I don't know if it's, if you don't have the time or bandwidth, I get it, but I would love for you to help me with that artwork. And, after I give him my whole spiel and the dream and everything, he goes, well, my turn. He's like, so a few months ago, I had a dream and I was at the Mystic Manor and he w- pulled out his dream journal and started reading this whole dream he documented. And he goes, in the dream, I was hunting for the key to everything. <laughs> and he like went into this whole thing and he's like, so to answer your question, will I create the cover art for your book? Well, I started it several months ago after this impactful dream of hunting for the key to everything at your property. And so it was a really cool like synchronicity that, so after seeing like several of these, you know, unfold, like, you know, one after the other, it, it helped to, for me to solidify, like, yes, I should definitely do what this. What a trip, man. Approach. What a trip. Well, yeah. congratulations on completing it. And Thank you. being in the phase of sharing it, that's that in itself is quite an accomplishment. So um, I'm happy that uh, you've made it to that space. And so I uh, look forward to checking it out. Oh, man. Well, this has been awesome, man. I, I so appreciate you and all the work that you do in the world. And there's very few. It's not very often I come across music that resonates as, you know, like yours does. So thank, thank you, you for tuning into what you're tuning into and, and bringing that through into the world. It's super epic. I look forward to hearing all the new new stuff as well. And Yeah. All of you out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And thank you for uh, your bravery and and tenacity in doing what you're doing and just keep doing it. So thank you. Well, thanks, Brandon, for being game to do a dual podcast. Uh, Check out The Positive Head. They've put out a ton of episodes diving into all sorts of things in the counter-cultural wellness spiritual dive i'm sure there'd be things in there that you might find interesting and check out his book if you get a chance it's certainly like a really interesting way that he's putting things out there thank you again for subscribing and thank you for sharing the podcast and thank you for saying hello you can always do that at team at eastforest.org and uh, thank you for listening to the new track that's coming out can't fall out of love which you're hearing in the background right now Uh, I can't play all of it right now because it's not even out yet. This is like a little preview, but it features some saxophone by Lorraine Weiss, who is on the Ram Dass record. Awesome to have her back. And actually, like, this track uh, was sort of a B-side from those sessions, and I just continued to work on it for this record because it always felt like something... I liked it, but I, I couldn't find a home for it. It was, it was basically an orphan. And the recording there, uh, I can tell you more about where that came 
and what that's all about and why what I what I mean by this idea that you can't fall out of love but I'd love to hear what you think we're still dreaming up this idea of what's possible the hashtag what's possible I put out this little video on socials about that and it, it's just dreaming up what we want to choose and what where we want to point our ship of life as we move forward into this new world that is becoming and part of that is is painting it alive and speaking it alive singing it forth and if you'd like to share that um in any way on social media or otherwise please do just say like what your dream is or something that you want to bring into the future or when you see things becoming it's a way of honoring it and speaking to it and i like to use the, the hashtag what's possible just as a way of celebrating that and creating some sort of conversation and community around it. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, thanks to everyone on the East Forest Council on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash East Forest. Uh, we'll catch you over there, too. Peace and love, my friends. Keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit. But if you do, do it with grace. Endless choices. choices and yet there's one choice and yet there's one choice